Hello, this is Dr. Karen Horton from Johns Hopkins. In this lecture, we're going to discuss the results of recently published clinical trials regarding virtual colonoscopy. This slide is a summary of some of the early virtual colonoscopy studies that were performed. So this is the late 90s and early 2000s. And you can see the technique was pretty primitive back then. Um, and the results, the sensitivity and specificity were varied. But some of the studies, like if you look at the one by K, you could see that there was good sensitivity and specificity, even though some of these trials were done with relatively thick collimation and before multi-detector CT. This was a nice meta-analysis performed by Mulhall in 2005. There were 33 published trials that he looked at for a total of 6,393 patients. And these were all prospective studies, and he made sure he only included ones that had a full bowel prep, had a complete colonoscopy or surgery for correlation, and had at least a single detector um, scanner with supine and prone images, air or carbon dioxide, and at least five millimeters or less collimation, and then two or 3D interpretation. So what he did, he looked at all those early trials that met their criteria to see how good they were. And you can see per patient sensitivity for polyps greater than or equal to one centimeter was 85%. So that's great. And specificity for polyps greater than a centimeter was 97%. So you could see in a meta-analysis of those early studies, the virtual colonoscopy showed a lot of promise. This was the main study that they show, the first study in a large group of screening patients, 2003 Perry Pickard study, New England Journal of Medicine, 1,233 asymptomatic adults. Remember, these are screening studies. The early studies were done on high-risk or polyposis patients, but these were average-risk patients, 50 or older, same-day virtual colonoscopy and optical colonoscopy. And what we're interested in is adenomas greater than or equal to a centimeter. The sensitivity by patient was 94%, and the specificity by patient was 96%. So that was very good. And when you break it down and compare the virtual colonoscopy with the optical colonoscopy for polyps greater than a centimeter, you can see 94% versus 88%. So the CT actually had a higher sensitivity for large polyps. In Perry Pickard's trial, there was a slight difference from other trials that had been performed. And first of all, it was the patient population. So this is a military population. Also, he used a primary 3D evaluation and he included stool and liquid tagging with electronic subtraction. So he had the tagging, then he had the computer subtract out the tagging. And at that time, he was using four and eight row detector scanners, where today we're using 32, 64, or beyond. So Perry Pickard's study was published in New England Journal of Medicine 2003 in the fall. And then in the spring 2004 in JAMA, another large trial was published. This was the COTTON trial, 615 patients, routine colonoscopy, clinically indicated, again, screening population, but there also were some high-risk patients. Nine centers were included, and they did virtual colonoscopy before the conventional colonoscopy. They had 827 lesions in 308 patients. They had 54 polyps greater than or equal to one centimeter. The results of that trial were terrible. So if you look at sensitivity for detecting patients with one or more lesions greater than a centimeter was only 55% for virtual colonoscopy and 100% for conventional colonoscopy, and the CT missed two of eight cancers. And also the accuracy of the virtual colonoscopy varied considerably between the centers and did not improve it as the study progressed. 
Now, one of the issues with this JAMA trial was, first of all, it was older data. So the data was actually collected before the Perry Picker trial. It just took longer for them to publish it. They used thicker slices. They did not use tagging. But the main problem was the radiologists were inexperienced. They had only looked at 10 cases before the study, and so certainly they were not experienced readers. If you looked at the center with the most experience, the sensitivity for polyps over 6 millimeters is actually 85%, so that's good. When they presented this to the authors, they said that if you're talking about putting something out for screening, you've got to look at what the Joe Blow radiologists can do in the community. And so they meant you have to look at what the average radiologist can do. But I think that they underestimate a radiologist because you're not going to be interpreting virtual colonoscopy unless you get sufficient training. And certainly looking at 10 cases is not enough training. So you had one good trial, the New England Journal of Medicine trial, and then you had one bad trial, the JAMA trial, and so people were waiting. And we were waiting for the results of the Duke Multicenter trial. So this is 2004 in Lancet by Rocky. 614 patients at 13 centers. These were high risk, the family history or heme positive. All patients underwent a barium enema and then came back a week later for CT and regular colonoscopy. And if you look at the virtual colonoscopy by patient, sensitivity and specificity for lesions greater than or equal to one centimeter, it wasn't very good. It was 59% sensitivity, 96% specificity. In fact, it wasn't much better than the barium enema. The Duke Multicenter trial also had an issue with training. Only half of the readers had experience of reading 50 cases, which we now consider to be the minimum for training. There was no testing, and there was no feedback to the radiologists. This was published in 2007, so somebody went back and looked at those cases from the Rocky trial because they knew that the issue was training, and they found that most of the missed lesions could be retrospectively identified on the virtual colonoscopy. So theoretically, the bipolyp sensitivity for adenomas greater than or equal to a senator, uh, centimeter in that trial would have increased from 63.9% to 94.5% if all the correctable errors were scored as true positives. So they saw almost all of them could be seen retrospectively. So clearly the problem with that trial was reader training. So a few years went by and we were kind of in limbo until the national CTC colonography trial. This is the Akron trial. It was published in New England Journal of Medicine in the fall of 2008 by Dan Johnson. So this is the largest screening study to date. 2,600 asymptomatic patients age 50 years or older. So this is pure screening. 15 centers. Now the radiologist training was definitely addressed in this trial. So radiologists had to submit certification of having interpreted at least 500 CTC exams or they had to participate in a special one and a half day training session. Then all the radiologists were required to complete a qualifying examination in which they achieved a detection rate of 90% for polyps 10 millimeters or larger. Of the 20 radiologists who met the initial criteria, the 15 with the highest scores were invited to participate in the study. The CTC trial by Akron also included stool and liquid tagging, so they included barium sulfate and iodinated contrast in almost all patients. And the centers could use whatever catharsis was used at that institution. So you could see 40% used polyethylene glycol, 55% used sodium phosphate, 4% used magnesium citrate. All the centers had an automated colonic insufflator with carbon dioxide. We were encouraged to give one milligram of glucagon subcutaneously, so that was given in 92% of the cases. Everybody had to have a 16-slice scanner or better, and you can see over half of the sites had a 64-slice scanner. 
the protocol was set. So the collimation had to be between 0.5 and 1 millimeter. So we had submillimeter collimation. And you can see the field of view was set to fit the patient. These were low-dose scans, so it was a 50 effective MAS, 120 kV. Standard reconstruction algorithms, and it was prone in supine acquisitions. And then the slice reconstruction needed to be between 1 and 1.25, reconstructed every 0.8 inter millimeter intervals. Now the Akron CTC interpretation, well, so the exams were randomly assigned to be read independently with the use of either primary 2D or 3D method, and then radiologists recorded all of the lesions 5 millimeters or greater. So we were encouraged to report anything 5 millimeters or greater and then give a confidence rating between 0 and 5. Now all exams were read twice. So for instance, an exam done here at Hopkins, I would be the reader, and then my exam would go to another reader at a different site to be read. If I was a 2D reader, then the other person would be a 3D reader. You could use whatever CTC software you were comfortable with. So Vital Images, General Electric, Siemens, Biotronics, and Terra Recon were all utilized during this study. After the virtual colonoscopy exam, then a conventional colonoscopy was supposed to be performed the same day, and it was in the vast majority of patients. All the colonoscopy exams had to be performed directly by an experienced endoscopist or supervised by an experienced endoscopist. So sometimes fellows at the academic institutions would perform it with an experienced endoscopist following them. Identified lesions were photographed, and there was no segmental unblinding during that exam. So if a lesion measured one centimeter or greater on the virtual colonoscopy was but was not reported on the conventional colonoscopy, then the patients were advised to come back and have a repeat colonoscopy. So this was different from some of the other trials where they unblinded the colonoscopist before the end of the exam. The Akron trial did not. So the radiologist gave their report, the colonoscopist gave their report. If it turns out the radiologist saw something and the colonoscopist didn't, then the patient had to come back. The tissue samples from all the lesions were sent to a central place to be reviewed by a gastrointestinal pathologist. So they looked at all the pathology again. And the lesion size was determined by the pathology report. Or if the polyp was removed in pieces, then it went by the colonoscopy report. Two experienced radiologists then matched the lesions. So you needed somebody to say, like if I said a lesion was in the sigmoid and the colonoscopist said it was in the descending colon, we needed to see if we were talking about the same lesions. There were very few adverse events. Actually, only three participants, participants had a grade three or higher. Some, one patient had severe nausea and vomiting. One patient had hematochesia after a polypectomy. And one patient had an E. coli bacterial infection. There were no reported perforations in either the CT group or the colonoscopy group for the study. So here you can see the results. 1,629 patients had no polyps, so that's good. 2,141 patients had no polyps greater than 5 millimeters, right? So we're not concerned about those patients. So 512 polyp patients had at least one polyp, the largest of which measured less than 5 millimeters. And what we're really interested in is 132 patients had polyps greater than or equal to a centimeter. Seven lesions were malignant. And you can see the sizes of the malignant lesions. None of them were less than 5 millimeters. 
Also 2D versus 3D interpretation. So they look very closely at the sensitivity for detecting these polyps, whether you were using 2D or 3D interpretation, and they were similar. There was no difference. But the mean time using a primary 3D read in this study was a little bit longer. You can see 19.4 minutes for a primary 2D read, 25.3 minutes for a primary 3D read. So here are the results. There were 15 readers. So you can see number radiologist number 1 through 15. If the larger the number of patients that were screened, you can see is how the radiologists were ordered. So number 15 read the most cases, had the most in the study. Number one had the least. And then here you can see the sensitivity. So if you pooled all the radiologists, you can see the sensitivity for polyps one centimeter or greater per patient was 90%. But you can see that several of these radiologists had 100% sensitivity. Most of them were in the 80 to 90% range, and then we had a couple of them with, that were pretty low in the 70% range. So if you look at the sensitivity per patient for a polyp, an adenomatous polyp greater than or equal to one centimeter was 90%, specificity 86%, which actually is a little low compared to some of the other studies. Here I have it broken down by the size of the polyp, but what we're really interested in is 90% and 86% for one centimeter or greater. And you can see the smaller the polyp, the less sensitivity and specificity that we have. The Akron trial also kept track of the extracolonic findings. So there were extracolonic findings in 66% of patients, which is fine. Only 16% were deemed urgent or to require additional evaluation. So 16% of the patients had something important that either needed follow-up or correlation with prior exams. So to summarize the Akron study, CTC screening identified 90% of patients with adenomas or cancers greater than or equal to one centimeter. The extracolonic abnormalities reported were similar to other studies, but clearly we need some sort of management guideline for these extracolonic structures. And primary 2D equaled primary 3D for accuracy, but 3D reading had longer interpretation times. Another study which I'll just mention is the Munich trial. So in that trial, they used polyethylene glycol and bisacodyl and fluid tagging. They used iodine. They had automated CO2. They had 64 detector scanners with 0.6 millimeter collimation. They had primary 3D reads, and they did use segmental unblinding. And if you look at 307 patients with 221 adenomas, the sensitivity for one centimeter or greater, you can see 93.4%. So that was excellent versus optical colonoscopy, which is 100%. So again, especially in the Akron trial, the Perry Picker trial, and the Munich trial, which were all very well-done studies, you can see that the sensitivity for lesions greater than or equal to a centimeter adenomatous lesions was acceptable. This is another study that was published in 2007, and I like it because it shows you the advantage of virtual colonoscopy versus conventional colonoscopy. So this was Kim et al. in the New England Journal of Medicine, and it, this is in Wisconsin. So they can they have payers that will pay for either virtual colonoscopy or regular colonoscopy. So these patients weren't randomized, and they didn't have both. They just were screened with one versus the other. And you can see they found a similar number of cancers. Now the referral rate from the virtual colonoscopy to the optical colonoscopy was about 8%. So that's good to know. So when you're screening a large number of people, you can expect about 8% will need to go to conventional colonoscopy. And in this, that study, if patients had small polyps, one or two small polyps, they were often offered the option to um, come back for follow-up or to go directly to polypectomy.
So this is what I think is interesting. If you look at the total number of polyps in each group that were removed, 561 polyps were removed in the CTC group and 20, almost 2,500 were removed in the optical colonoscopy group. So this difference is because only, remember, 8% of the patients who underwent the virtual colonoscopy went on to regular colonoscopy. If you start with regular colonoscopy, a lot more polyps will be removed, right? Because they remove everything they see. So even those tiny benign polyps or hyperplastic polyps are removed. And you can see that really introduces a large cost doing that many polypectomies. Because then you have a biopsy charge and then you have the pathology charge. And you can see in the conventional colonoscopy group or the optical colonoscopy group, seven perforations were seen in that group for required surgery. There were no perforations in the CTC group. So their conclusion was that the use of CTC as a primary screening test before a therapeutic optical colonoscopy is definitely valuable. So in summary, virtual colonoscopy is still a hot topic in medicine. There have been several important studies that have been concluded and were favorable. There were a couple of studies that were not favorable, but as I reviewed with you, the issues were training of the radiologist as readers. And also, extraclonic findings are still an issue. If you have a lot of extraclonic findings requiring additional follow-up, then the cost of the study becomes prohibitive. Thank you.